The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. 30,000 subscribers. Yeah, to your YouTube. You are now official. Are you officially? Does that make you a YouTuber? Uh, Were you a YouTuber before? It it officially makes me happy. And it happened literally as I walked into your studio this morning. It was on 29999. People like Casey Neistat used to make uh, videos of of him looking at a screen where the numbers used to come around. Uh, Well, that was the Social Blade stuff. But Uh, because YouTube changed all their APIs, Social Blade stuff is irrelevant now because they uh, only show in 100 blocks. It doesn't so you can't, do it you can't use it now for no. that video? Nope. Well, so you, you can if you've got millions of subscribers, because your 100 blocks will be going up every second. Yeah. But when your 100 blocks go up every three days, it doesn't really <laughs> make the same. It doesn't amazing, have the same impact. Yeah, I'm really happy so with that. 30,000 subscribers. So that that's um, so. Well, I go locally sometimes to watch Reading FC play. That's the whole stadium. That's Reading's whole stadium, I think. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Reading of with Car- you in the middle of the of the the pitch, <laughs> everybody looking at you like Cardiff Football Club because they've played three times against each other in the last ten days I think yeah, something like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a home fixture now the Fuji cast right hello welcome along to the Fuji cast we're back in the studio although actually funnily enough in a, in, in a, in a couple of weeks we have a, a particularly special episode that will not be in the studio which we can't talk about because what's the first rule about things you can't talk about what are you on about well when <laughs> that episode we're doing you know. Oh, that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, we can't talk about that. That one. It's <laughs> way too early. Right. Today, you and your questions. Mailbag is electronically brimming. So thank you for your questions that you've sent to click at fujicast.co.uk. There's never enough, so send more in. If you've emailed before, by the way, fantastic. You are officially what we know as a friend of the show. If you haven't emailed before, Get on the keyboard and owe yourself as a first-time writer because we'd love to hear from you too. For those who have Fujifilm cameras, uh, then th- this show, of course, will have lots of techo answers to some of your questions. But there's just as many things that don't have anything to do with Fujifilm as well, such as your stories, your thoughts, your you know the things that happen to you as you, you go through your photographic career. And whatever genre, at the end of the show, we'll have another one of your photo disasters. Uh, if you've left a review in Apple Podcasts, we may well be reading your one out today. And from Kev's Bookshop, off. We have a recommended book. Which one? Which one are we doing today? We're doing Exposures by Jane Bowne. Oh, oh I love Jane Bowne's mm. work. I like her story. Her mm. story is amazing, mm. isn't it? Mm. Um, so, questions. There's, there's, um, there's lots and lots of questions today. Do you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've put them in front of you. Yeah, yeah. You got a book on top. Well, of first, it. I think we should say thank you very much to everybody who came along. Oh um, God, yes. Oh, that's what I meant to do right week. at the start. Yeah, not don't your, worry, I'll do it. Not your thirty thousand. No, your thirty thousand subscriber thing. Too late. Too late. Oh God. Too late. No, oh, I'm so sorry. We've just lost. I might have 30,000 YouTube subscribers. We now have two <laughs> podcast subscribers. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, thank you to everybody that came along. It was such a great evening. I really enjoyed meeting. It was a meeting. good I didn't. I didn't feel that we met everybody. No, well, we couldn't because there was 1,500 people there. <laughs> no, uh, 2,100. No, no, no. In fairness, it was it was great. Uh, thanks to everybody that, that kind of helped us, uh, Sam and Steve and Gemma and mm. especially Andreas at Fujifilm and the House of Photography for uh, housing us oh yes and uh, everybody else probably anybody and everybody that was there it was good JP fun. came along JP as well. of course all and the way uh, from America he is the coolest man I've ever met he is isn't he yeah um, he's the same age as me and yet he looks 15 20 years younger than me <laughs> might say a bit more than that uh, but yeah thanks to everybody who came along it was it was a blast and that was uh, and I think we should uh, say 
congratulations to us for fi- doing 52 in one year is oh, yeah. pretty epic yeah not many podcasts do that no. you know and to think all we have to that. do is turn up and talk into these furry things <laughs> and everything else just happens yeah it's not quite as magical as that yeah. there are a few other things that happen <laughs> there we go all right, right so questions <laughs> you lead this is uh, it's quite a long one uh from robert pope in uh settling uh, uh, he signs i haven't read the question yet but he signs off worried from tunbridge wells oh, no. okay so looking at the recent sales uh looking at the recent sales photos of the new x100v mm. although it has a number of improved features i see that it no longer has the d-pad ah right now i see where this is going this concerns me because it probably means that there are fewer programmable functions kevin has taught me to use back button focusing method which now that i understand the advantages of quickly refining exposure i find very useful i have the x100f and i use the d-pad for back button focusing i find this much more comfortable as uh, therefore quicker than using the afl button I was wondering if the joystick is now programmable and whether you have had a chance to do this. I also have an X-T3 and use D-pad on this too uh, for back button focusing. I worry that all Fuji camera updates will now dispense with the D-pad. Well, okay, so... D-pad gate. D-pad gate. Well, uh, the fact is I haven't touched an X100V so uh, obviously I know it I've seen the pictures also so I know it doesn't have a deep I don't think anybody believed you did they said yeah oh god no on, I know do you know I had yeah. I, I had well in excess of 40 messages on X100V launch they say when do you review it when do you review it and I was like well um, not yet I have to, I'm going to have to buy it um, which is fine you know it's uh, actually um, like everybody else who by the way did review it Nick Turpin Nick even Turpin, said he wasn't looking forward to sending his back Nick um, Nick's little video was ace actually I really liked that um, he did a really good job of, of showcasing the camera so um that's good good for him and good for uh feature film uh, i think the x100v is flying off the shelves on pre-orders um as it always was going to but back to the d-pad question um now the x pro 3 lost its d-pad uh over the previous cameras but it actually increased the amount of function buttons because of the touchscreen and the swipes and various other bits and pieces mm. so i don't know for sure whether the x100v has technically more function buttons or fun- programmable buttons mm. over the um x100f i suspect it probably does the d-pad is a very subjective thing i never i always s- disable my d-pad always disable it Do because you? i'm forever pressing it and touching it and you know oh, all that, that stuff so much i never use it mm. ever um i really pare down my camera to i use the top function button for uh exposure sorry for telemetry i use the the front uh, one of the other function buttons for um changing the shutter type from electronic to uh, mechanical and back again yep that's it. What uh, about everything else is switched off? So changing, I think I've got drive selected on the D-pad. No, drive's oh. a physical button. Uh, is it? Yeah. What have I got? <laughs> oh, actually, no, drive isn't a physical. Drive. It is on the D-pad. It's drive is on the D-pad, but I'm, I think, I guess, on the X100V, that would be one of the buttons at the top, well, just for, like the x For me, it's white balance, it's drive, it's... Um, you change white balance? Sometimes. See, I never, I never yeah. change white balance. I never, I uh, yeah. I oh mean, yeah, then I have boost because the XT three um, boost boost um, performance boost on the bottom of oh, the D pad. Oh, just leave that on all the time. Why would you turn that off? Maybe I'm making life more complicated <laughs> for myself. Well, anyway, the the fact is, it is a very divisive. Uh, uh, decision um no. actually if i think about it those things that i do have selected are not things i regularly tamper with yeah yeah and uh, i guess 
my understanding and i might be wrong about this my understanding is in order for them to weather seal it properly and i know it's not properly weather sealed because you need to have the adapter ring on the front Mm. but in order for them to weather seal the body they have to have less or they needed to have less um opportunity for moisture etc to get in so presumably it's something to do with that Uh, it my my thought on it is that probably as we go through time there will be less and less d-pads on Fujifilm cameras because they are you know they're getting more and more um uncumbered by buttons and bits and pieces like that uncumbered uncumbered is that a new word isn't that a real word <laughs> uncumbered i use that all the time all right uncumbered what what would you say i mean i'm uncumbered to meet you (laughs) no uncumbered like uncluttered clutter free and they're trying to declutter uncumbered no type it into the computer uncumbered uncumbered you carry on while i I type in this uh um there we go uncumbered uncumbered when you're uncumbered you feel free of baggage unencumbered no it's unencumbered that's what I said, uncumbered. <laughs> not, not that actually if you said unencumbered. No, my, you're free of baggage. Either literally you don't have a lot of stuff to carry um, or you're emotionally, you're emotionally carefree. And underneath, look, uncumbered. Uncumbered. Yes. No, unencumbered. No, dictionary.com underneath says uncumbered. Yeah. Hamper to overload, that's to burden, cum- to inconvenience, to trouble. That's cumber, so, yes. Yeah. So I believe the buttons. So you're right. Yeah. There we go. Ding, ding. Oh, I apologise. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, look, the fact is some people are going to like it without a D-pad and some people aren't. Um, me, personally, I, I never really use D-pad. I, I, I actually disable the joystick as well because yeah. I use central focus points and turn that off. Um, well, don't take the joystick away. I, oh, no, no, they won't take the joystick away, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't use that. I put it in P mode and, yeah. and I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just use the AFL button on the back. However, um, you're right about it being difficult on the X100 range to reach the AFL button, especially got little hobbit fingers like me. So I have my <laughs> AFL um, allocated to the rear command dial on the X100F. I've yet to see the X100V. I will, I'm sure, um, be will buying one. Will you be one. buying one? Yeah, yeah. probably. Uh, Mafti Sajaris. Um, hi from usually sunny Crete. Oh, what's going on in Crete at the moment? Uh, you guys should definitely think about coming over here for your next meetup. That's Cre- right. I went there on my first honeymoon. Did you? Heraklion. Oh. Heraklion Airport. Yeah. yeah. yeah were yeah. you staying at the airport, were you? Maybe that's where <laughs> you split. I wish we had. <laughs> yeah. That was nice. I love Crete. A, did Crete um, is the first place. I went there I, I, well, maybe when I was about 2021. 20, um, and uh, it was the first place I sampled red wine. I'd never had red wine until I went to Crete. Mm. And they say the first time you have red wine, it's never as good ever again, is it? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, that's what UB40 said, wasn't it? They said that too. Did they? Mm. Red, red wine. <laughs> we may not have a house... We're doing of, this way too early. We may not... Yes. We, this, is, this is practically, by the way, a breakfast show this morning. We may not have a house of photography, but we uh, we have plenty of tavernas. Oh, look, and super wines. There we go. Are you right about that? It was a windmill. It was a, a little restaurant. It was made out of a windmill. Oh, beautiful place. Question about filters. I heard a YouTuber just the other day say that filters are a waste of time and that photographers tend to use them only for protecting their lens. I've always thought that the minimum you should have is a UV filter, but he was suggesting they add a layer of glass that can spoil your pictures with unwanted artefacts and that any effects you need uh, to add or remove can be done in Lightroom or Photoshop. Your thoughts? What a load of nonsense. Yeah, pretty because much. It depends what filters you use. Yeah, I mean, if you're using NDs or grads, then yeah. then they're there for a very definite reason. Absolutely. A polarizer. Yeah. Polarizer, bring the exposures down. Uh, um, a variable ND, which I use a lot when filming. Yeah, yeah, all of that. I mean, I presume he's just on about UV filters, as in pr- lens-protecting yes. filters. Now, I, I, I know you don't, do you? You don't use them, but I, I do, because I... <laughs> 
uh, in the very early days, I dropped a couple of lenses and, and mm. smashed the filter and thought, well, there we go. That was a lot cheaper than having to buy a new lens. Mm. I like to have my lenses uncumbered. <laughs> no, unencumbered. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. Do they add a lot? Lot. Of, I mean, if if your pixel peeping are going right in, and I don't. Th- I think the good ones. Of, I, I, th- I think the good UV you filters get what you pay for. Will 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 do what they're meant to do without any artifacts. Mm. I, mm. I, I you know, I'm fairly sure of that. However, as somebody who doesn't use them, you know, I can't prove that. But I'm fairly sure that the the decent quality ones, the ones you're going to buy for four yeah. quid off eBay. Yeah. Probably are not going to be well, great. Well, the, the, whoever it was that said any effects you need to add or remove can be done in Lightshop or Photoshop, uh, Lightroom rather, or Photoshop. Then obviously they were talking about ND filters and stuff like that, which yeah. are absolutely essential for some parts of absolutely. photography. I mean, yeah. I even used um, for a film recently. I made um, about <laughs> need to do the follow up for for a camera. Um, I used a tobacco filter because I know it's quite old-fashioned, the tobacco, the graduated tobacco filter, but I wanted that sort of top-gear look for a car that I was filming. And you used a filter for that, right? No, I used a filter holder. It was a leaf filter holder. Put one of those great big square filters in, slid yeah. it down, perfect. Did the job that I wanted it to do. Yeah. And, and helped me with a bit of exposure problems with the early morning sun as well. Yeah, exactly. And you can't, you can't go to... You can't be photographing a sunset or a sunrise and, you know, without using a filter to, to bring your exposures down. You can't... Hmm. You just can't. You can't do that in post-production. You know, regardless of your yeah. camera's dynamic range and, and all that stuff. So, why, why don't you use um, uh, the unencumbered thing? I know, but is, is uncumbered. that uncumbered? Is that <laughs> cucumbered? Is that the reason you don't want to use? You don't want anything in front of your no, lens? No, it's or, not. Or have it's you just, just been too tight? To I've buy just them? never bought them. I've just never gone down that route, right. and I've never touched wood. I've never broke a lens or smashed oh, a lens sh- or. Sh- sh- Anything, I'm sure it will happen. Mm. I don't even use lens caps. You well, know. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually. Your you know, bag is I'm devoid of, 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 of the niceties like lens caps yeah. and, and dividers. Yeah, I'm using that divider you you <laughs> left on my chair. I'm using it as my coffee coaster. It's very funny, actually. Yeah, look, <laughs> I'm going to take a photograph of that and I'm going to put that in the in the Facebook group because you, he this morning. I don't know how. Honestly, I didn't put it there on purpose. Mm-hmm. When Kev went to sit down in the studio chair, um, velcroed to it was a divider. <laughs> he said, "Are you taking a?" It's now it's now a perfect um, coaster for a coffee cup. <laughs> right, your question. Okay, Dominique Martel goes on to say, "Congratulations on the podcast. You're really interesting." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who? Not you. Not you. And not you. <laughs> <laughs> you, obviously. Regarding Don McCaskill's letter, he sent saying that Flickr is still losing money. I'd like to know your thoughts. Uh, Take Ko talked about it during a recent podcast, and he said Flickr might have an identity problem. We were thinking if they have a real uh, differentiating factor compared to Instagram or yeah. other photography platforms. I'd like to know your thoughts on that. I love Flickr, and I hope it doesn't disappear. But do you think it needs to be updated, or they need to update their business model? Should they make significant changes to attract more users? What do you think? We have a Flickr group, don't we? But uh, and I went all gung ho and went into it, <laughs> put a load of pictures in there, and haven't been in there since. It's just not a platform I use. <sighs> you know what? Uh, I uh, yes, same for me. I don't use Flickr. No, I would love to see Flickr, uh, you know, reignite and, and be successful again. Smugmoke, which is a British company, Scottish company, uh, have bought it and have invested heavily in it. Uh, what I'm hearing recently is that they've had to increase their fees to you know to, to help them kind of troll some of that back my my perception of, of Flickr as being from somebody who doesn't really use it is still it's somewhere to just put your pictures now um, you know and chat forums and stuff 
Now, I have my website for that. I, anything I want to show to my clients, it goes onto my website. Um, so to me, it seems like it's still targeting the hobbyist kind of marketplace, you know, people who perhaps won't have their own website and all that kind of stuff. Are those people going to be paying for it? And Flickr traditionally was free, you see. So are those people going to be pay- paying for it or paying enough for it? Um, I think that's probably the, you know, the, the, the conundrum they have now. Um, now, I would love to see it succeed. And yeah, I mean, I guess they have to offer something different but what i mean that's the that's the 64 million dollar question isn't it i really would love to see them do well it must be very difficult to go up in the morning thinking i'm battling instagram facebook i'm doing you know i mean i you know x it it feels like one platform too far too many 500 px was one that i was quite interested in originally yeah that looked beautiful it really looked beautiful and then they they allowed people to sell their images direct via stock sales however they got really greedy like really greedy and then eventually they were taking I don't know what the figures were but 80% or whatever and maybe that's something for Flickr to look into maybe they can they can offer a way for people to maybe they already do don't know um, maybe they can offer a way for people to monetize their, their you know their website I'm sure it, it, it connects to the smug mug enterprise mm, and so, you know right. the labs and all that right. So well, all I would say is good luck to Flickr. I, hope, I really hope it succeeds. Um, but yeah, identity crisis probably is the, the right word. Right, Apple reviews. Thank you very much for your Apple reviews. We're going to split them into smaller bits than, than, than we have, have been doing. Um, and then we can, we can badger on with the questions. Uncumbered, unencumbered even. Uncumbered. <laughs> Go on then, have you got one? I have, uh, this is from Dr. L. Dr. L. Via Apple Podcasts. So Dr. Evil. Uh, he says, uh, new friends, uh, love listening to this podcast. The banter is so entertaining, they don't even need sound effects. Mm, controversial. <laughs> do, do, he does do. not say that. He does say that. He does not say he that. Does. He gets one of these. Warning, warning. <laughs> uh, he then goes on to say, yet the sound effects are there and they have their own charm. Oh, they do. Neil and Kev feel like new friends and I look forward to hanging with them each week. Thanks yeah. for the great job. Oh, there we are. And, and we'll say to you, you're our favourite listener and we mean it. See? <laughs> If we didn't have jingles, you wouldn't have got one. Questions. Marku Honkala. Oh, that's a fantastic name. I wonder if one or both of you are in the progress uh, process rather, of publishing a photo book of your work. Oh, uh, thinking process or actually working towards it. Your thoughts on arranging publishing or self-publishing of your own work would be greatly appreciated. Cheers from a Finnish fan in Brussels. Marku, thank you very much. What would your book be on if you... I mean, you have had a book out, I know, but that, that was a... That was a technical that, book. That was a technical book. If, if you could... I'm, I'm sure if, if there was a dream book, it wouldn't be a technical one, would it? No. I, you know, I've, I've, I've actually had a couple of um, conversations with publishers about this kind of stuff. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's something that's potentially down the line I don't know I, I my personal pictures um, kind of street photography and everything I don't think is of the calibre for printing weddings yeah. perhaps there's an interesting angle you do angle. yourself a great disservice then. I think there's an interesting angle with the wedding stuff but the problem with the wedding stuff is permissions yes um, and a lot of the pictures that I would like to do are from clients that are many many years ago some of which you know may answer their emails some of which will just say no some of which may sadly no longer be together no. you know all mm-hmm. kinds of things um, interestingly I had an email recently from a bride saying um, you shot our wedding in 2013 I think mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately we're no longer together oh. and um, my house has recently burgled and they stole the wedding ring and engagement ring I just oh. wondered if you had a photo and I, I said oh, well, of the ring yeah of I, the insurance yeah of the insurance okay. so, so I said to her well actually your wedding photos are still online you know I've, I've not taken them down mm. so you can, you can you can have a look through 
she basically you know they separated very shortly after the wedding oh. so she didn't look at the wedding pictures then so this is the first time she'd seen her album mm, pretty much her collection oh, i'm wow. guessing so yeah anyway so yeah books yeah i mean you, you, you need to look beyond neil and i i think for the books just yet uh <laughs> you know people like sean tucker and his uh he's on collection oh, three his, now his, collection his, his three, books yeah. are great um you know if you're if you're looking for more independent style books I, i'm i'm talking you know, people like sean tucker um, so let's change it there a little. Let me change the question a little bit for Mark here. If you, if you could perhaps have an exhibition of, of something that was very different, what would you? Um, now, you have had exhibitions. I have had exhibitions, so yeah. Had, your street stuff's been up in Japan. It has, You're yeah. big in Japan, yeah. as Alphaville once said. <laughs> I, um, and a lot of my family pictures are still up in the House of Photography. Yes, so, the, yeah, yeah, they were behind yeah, the cash till, weren't grinning they? at us. Yeah, yeah behind were, the cash yeah, till. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, you know, my family stuff and my own personal family stuff is is interesting. I think rather than necessarily other people's pers- uh, family stuff, um, just purely because it's their very personal property. Mm. So yeah, who knows? I don't know. Um, right now, I have a, a to do list as long as uh, a very long person, and <laughs> getting a book out is 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 not on the priority it's list. On priority it's on the list. list. But it's not mm. high up in it. What about you? You, 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 you are. You always come up with that. So, great. so many ideas, but it's the same as you. I mean, you spend. I spend. I mean, this is a question in itself. How long should you spend on your business, working in your business? How how much time should you spend on personal projects? Are they your savior? Um, all of the above. Um, there's there's one I've been sort of tampering and tinkering with for for ages, um, which is face for radio, mm. which is my idea of of it's just a nice portrait of not nothing particularly um i suppose creative about it but a, a good strong black and white portrait of radio presenters and underneath each of the frames would hang would, would hang a a, a a set of headphones where you could listen to the person telling the story of their life ah uh, right okay that was my idea yes sorry i but, thought you meant yeah yeah no that's a great idea and that actually face yeah, for radio that's what they radio. say about people in radio yes you, you got a face for you got a face for radio yeah right? yeah yeah no absolutely <laughs> oh I, thank you um but that that's similar to the the nan golden thing isn't it the art of sexual dependency which was designed to There's be nothing uh, sexual about my one <laughs> it was designed to be a um uh, like a photo film yeah. effectively it was designed to be listened to uh, was that as uh, well as viewed yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, we talked about that. We did. Yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah, that's a really good idea, I mm. think. Um, just got to do it then. About 10 years I've been yeah. <laughs> doing this one. You need a tattoo like me. It says on my arm, stuff that works. Or, or your mother. <laughs> As my mother <laughs> thought, thought that it, it was stuff that... The, the O was an A. She thought the O was an A. <laughs> yes. Uh, quite. Yeah. Well done, Mum. Right. Bless her. Okay. Um, shall we have one more question then go into to this week's interview? Okay. Right, yes. Well, then I will come back to George Fakinos's uh, email later because that's a big one. Actually, that's a, that's a major talking point. It's Are huge. we doing that today, George Fakinos's one? Yeah, let's do it today. Oh. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay, you could be opening one. a can of worms for that one, but it's a good eep, so don't go anywhere. So let's do one more question, and then uh, this week we're going to be listening to, uh, funny enough, the reason, one of the reasons I mentioned YouTube right at the start um, was that I wanted to mention that today we are going to talk to Thomas Heaton, the, la- the landscape YouTuber. I absolutely love Thomas's work, mm. and uh, I really followed his um, his uh, his journey that uh, he took to the Himalayas. Mm. I don't know if you saw yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real struggle, and yeah. uh, you think of Tom as a as a really fit chap because of all that fell walking and everything mm. he does for his mm. landscape work. But he, 
you struggle with the altitude, as a lot of people do. Yeah. Well, I don't think altitude is. Any, I mean, you you need good lung capacity and everything, but yeah. perfectly healthy people can uh, struggle at altitude. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, one more question, then we'll we'll okay. come to this week's interview. So this is from Rich. Yes. He says, "Hi, chaps. Great show. Yada 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 yada. Recently seen an article on Petapixel about how back button focusing could be seen as outdated due to the ability of modern cameras." Uh, personally, I do use it with my X100F and can also see how things could be different if I had one of the newer cameras. Just wonder what your thoughts are on this subject, being that your guys do use the latest gear. Keep smiling, Kev. <laughs> All the best, Rich. Yeah. Um, well, I am smiling, uh, mostly because my tummy's rumbling. Was that, was, I th- I was th- was that me or was that you? Yeah. Do you want some toast? <laughs> well... I think that's, I don't know, never, I didn't see that article on Petapixel. Um, back button focusing could be seen as outdated due to the ability of modern cameras. Well, I mean, on the modern Fujifilm cameras, you now have the AF1 functionality, which technically allows you to back button focus. Mm. Um, but it's still the same principle. I mean, ultimately, back button focusing is just divorcing the shutter button from the uh, from the autofocus. Right. So so you focus once, effectively, and then you, you fire many times, mm. uh, which is a much, much quicker. I can't see any technical te- technological um, advancement that that kind of separates stops that from happening now. Right. Um, yes, the button configuration might be different, and uh, as far as I'm aware, there's no way that you can you can alter it. I mean, it doesn't in my mind anyway. Which, in fairness, my brain is very small and even smaller this time of the day. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's not something I would think about. Back button focus is is the lifeblood of your camera use, though, isn't it? Absolutely. My my, that's imagine that's not the, having that. That's the button with all of the the mm. grime and the letters rubbed off and <laughs> uh, all of that stuff. It's a well loved button. It's a well loved button. <laughs> right. Let's um, come to this week's uh, interview. We were just talking a second ago about uh, about Thomas Heaton, um, the the landscape photographer um, and YouTuber. Um, had a, a, an opportunity recently to, and, and, and in fact, it was great to be able to talk to him because we'd had a couple of emails in suggesting his name and and uh, and, and, and people that reference his work. So it was fantastic to be able to talk to him. And of course, he's become a Fuji film shooter. Um, it was the XT3 that he um, took up the uh, the Himalayas. There is one particular scene uh, where um, the the camera fails on him. Um, he can't see the, the the back screen, and he sort of he pours over the cannon that's next to him. He says, "Cannon, come back! All is all is forgiven." But of course, then he realises that he'd forgotten to press the the little button the, the, <laughs> with the display, putting it to the eyepiece or the uh, LCD only, and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. Anyway, read he, those manuals. Yeah. <laughs> I think he said that. He even said I should read the manuals. So this week's guest is is Thomas Heaton. Thomas, when I was doing a little research, I did what I'm sure 99% of the population would do. I, I googled your name and uh, up popped under the people also ask section. Uh, where is Thomas Heaton from? How old is Thomas Heaton? And uh, is landscape photography an art? Now, I think it still is. Um, what, what, what would you say? Is, is it, is it less, less of a niche these days? Well, first of all, congratulations on getting through to me and not Thomas Eaton, the football, the footballer, <laughs> the goalkeeper who, uh, no, you came up I before, believe, no, you came up before them. No, am, they, am I ahead of him? Yes. Oh, get in. That's good to know. Yeah. I've been having a secret war with this guy for about five years now. So, uh, finally I'm on top, which is good news. Okay, so, wow, deep question to begin with. Mm. Is landscape photography art or still art or more of, art, more of an art? Yeah. 
Yes, of course it is. Absolutely still is art. And I don't see how it could be less of an art now than it once was. I suppose with the introduction of technology, uh, perhaps, but mm, not well, really. I, yeah, I, I, I asked, just more tools. Yeah, I asked a very similar question um Albeit a different genre, it's the earlier to a, um, a, a reasonably well-heeled and, and certainly well-versed street photographer. And I said, is street photography still still an art? Is it still a niche? Because now, with the introduction of um, of cameras that everybody can use, um, a lot more people are street photographers suddenly. So is, is it still that niche that it ever was? Okay, so yeah, if we're talking about a niche, no, probably not, because I think it's so much more accessible. Uh, all you've got to do is look at the ridiculous statistics of Instagram <laughs> to see how many yeah. images are posted on a daily basis. Now, granted, they're not all landscapes, but I tell you what, a lot of them are. Whether those people necessarily know that they're taking landscapes, mm. um, you know, it could just be somebody with a Google Pixel or an iPhone whatever, 11, I think we're up to now, yeah. you know, those have incredibly good cameras. And if people are just out and about on holiday or they, they see something, you know, maybe some nice mist or some unusual clouds or something, they'll take a photograph, they'll post it to Instagram. So the genre is has massively opened up and the popularity has uh, grown more and more, but I don't necessarily think it's just a uh, increase in popularity of landscape mm. photography. I think it's more of an increase in popularity of the outdoors. Now, you've carved out this this hugely successful YouTube presence. Um, is it a presence or is it is it a career? What what do you call it? Oh, God. I wish I knew what it was. I'm um, not sure when a presence becomes a career. I'm thinking it must be a career for you. Yeah, well, it was never intended to be that way, um, of course. Um, but, yeah, that's how it's evolved because, you know, you start off doing it just as for fun and it's still fun but when when it picks up traction and opportunities start to open up then um you take advantage of those opportunities which in turn leads to more opportunities and before you know it you can kind of look at your situation and think well hang on a minute you know maybe maybe i can do this for a job maybe i could do this for a full-time living and that's hard to say no to uh, when you don't enjoy your day job mm. so of course you make the leap and become full time, as I did, and so yeah, I guess you could say that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say YouTube is my full time career. I always prefer to be called a photographer rather than a YouTuber. Now, of mm. course, I'm not ignorant to the fact that none of this would be possible without YouTube. I just see it as a very, very powerful marketing tool and storytelling tool, which in turn supports my photography. I, I want to talk about your trip to Nepal, actually, which which I, I, I know there was sort of equal, well, it was it was a hard trip. And we'll come to that in a moment. But as as, as you head toward this this next landmark, or if you, if you like landscape figure of 500,000 subs, it's not that far away. Did, did you think it would grow in the way that it has? No, not really, because YouTube is so inconsistent with the numbers. So you can have good weeks, bad weeks, good months, bad months. So I remember for the first uh, first few weeks, not sorry, first few months rather, or even the first, possibly the first year on YouTube, I wasn't really aware of the numbers. You know, it was I saw view counts, but that was about it. Um, so no, it was it, I never became conscious of it. I didn't even realize you could monetize a video until really? about oh, six months in or something like that. And somebody said, oh, you know, you could. And of course, you get about twenty dollars, so it's not great. Um, <laughs> it's a bit uh, depressing, but, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Oh no, it is, and that's that's why you can never rely mm. on the ad revenue alone. But here's the funny thing about YouTube ad revenue: is yes, it pays pennies, but without 
putting the ads on your videos, your videos don't get seen because obviously YouTube, Google is a business. Therefore, they want to sell advertising to their clients. So if you do not have ads on your videos, YouTube will not share your video out amongst mm, the masses. Isn't that so, interesting? Because a lot of people say, don't monetize until you get to X, Y, and Z without realizing perhaps that their, their channel won't gain any traction if they don't yeah. do it. It's the necessary evil. That's actually very, very damaging to not monetize your channel. Uh, I get it. There's lots of integrity involved and people don't like ads on the videos. Um, and I fully respect that 100%. And I wish, I wish it didn't work like that, but it's the world we live in and mm. it's a shame. But yeah, that's just, just the way it is. So if you have a video with no ads on, there is a clear, clear difference in uh, the amount of eyeballs that land on that video. Your style is is very approachable. As a as a photographer, as a, let, let's call it a YouTuber just for a moment, but, but as a photographer, as a YouTuber, as a person, you seem to me to be um, one of those people you'd like to spend time in a pub with um, <laughs> because there, there's, there's no great act or there's no... You know, what you see is what you get, and I would imagine you are exactly the same in real life as you are within your films. Would, would that would that be fair? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, <laughs> that seems an unfair main, question, but... The main... Well, yeah, I don't think it's possible to have a facade on YouTube because there's no way you could keep it up. And what I love uh, doing more than anything is... Uh, <laughs> I love being miserable. I think it's great. <laughs> I think, you know, there are too many people out there uh, projecting false positivity. Where everything is awesome. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if you're hurting on the inside, just mm. just make, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable and... And what that does is it makes the good times better mm. because when you show uh, real excitement, you know, people know it's genuine. So I followed your recent trip to Nepal and um, there were so many things we could talk. I could go well back a good few years and, and talk about stuff you've done. But I was enthralled by this trip to Nepal um, where you seem to find a new level of suffering for your art. I've got to say, Thomas. Yeah, I, yeah I, that's, I remember. That's what what, like if it's easy, it just well, <laughs> doesn't feel. When, doesn't feel earned. Well, I remember in particular when you got, and I was, I was relaying this to my family, saying, you know, when this chap got to four thousand six hundred meters, even a one hundred meter hike uphill to to grab a sunset picture became a bit of a chore. I mean, you're a fit chap. Did you think that this trip was going to be as hard as it was? Uh, yes, I had my suspicions because um, I live at sea level. So if I look out of my window now, I can see the beach, which yeah. is very nice. Beautiful. But also it yeah. means that I've never had the opportunity to do anything at altitude. The highest I've ever been is about 2,900 meters. Right. Um, and that was fine, but that was just up and down in one day. Uh, so this is sustained high altitude. And you know, you it's funny because with altitude, uh, you, you you can't predict it. There's no tests for it. Uh, it. Your fitness means nothing. It's just you can have a good day and a bad day. And when I got sick, uh, I think it was about, oh, it was in Gokio. It was 4.8, wasn't village. it? 4,800, I think. Yeah, 4,800. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it was pretty bad. It was just like, I suppose it was just like having the flu. That's the yeah. only way to describe it is imagine having a really, you know, just having the flu, but you're not home in your nice warm comfortable bedroom you're mm. in some disgusting <laughs> mountain hut where it's minus 20 degrees outside and minus 10 inside inside yeah uh, so it's really challenging if i'd have continued up because the day that i left was the day of the big high mountain pass which is about i don't know five thousand five hundred maybe something like that it's yeah. a big day and i couldn't face that day it would have been dangerous. That would have meant uh, severe altitude sickness, possibly, 
which is fluid on the lungs, fluid on the brain, oh, and, and a helicopter ride out of there. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. So you had acute altitude sickness, didn't you, I think? Yeah, acute yeah. altitude sickness. So sort of mild to moderate, not pleasant at all, but you can still function and it's, it's generally okay. But um, the only way I could cure it, and the cure is instant, mm. is walk downhill. So the day everybody set off over the mountain pass, I said my goodbyes and I arranged to meet them in three days time on the other side of the mountain. And I began to walk downhill and I mm. set off on that morning feeling like I had the flu. Mm-hmm. And for every 50 to 100 meters of descent, you just feel better. And I remember after about an hour of walking, I was on top of the world. Yeah. I thought, what? I've made the wrong decision. I should have gone over the mountain. Did you almost turn around? No, that's the problem. It's misleading. <laughs> you think you're better. You're not. You're just, you're just lowering in altitude. And uh, it's the worst thing I could have actually done was, that, was turn around. Yeah. But you feel like you can. So you put you need time to rest, of course. So I, I, it's like drinking a bottle of water. Imagine being dehydrated and feeling terrible. Yeah. And then you have this bottle of water and you drink that water and you feel amazing. Well, that's the same. Drinking the bottle of water is just like walking downhill. So after a day of walking, I uh, got to the next village, a thousand meters lower. Mm. My God, it's like a new man. I know, <laughs> I, I noticed running. it in the films, yeah. <laughs> felt just felt great you know i had a good night's sleep i ate lots of food the worst yeah. thing about altitude is you lose your appetite yeah. so um you do, and that's a downward spiral because of course you don't eat and you get weaker and weaker mm. so i'd gone down rested for a day then my body acclimatized and i continued back up and i ended up going back up to four thousand six hundred meters which is yeah. not too far off from where i got sick yeah only the second time around i wasn't sick the second oh. time around i was acclimatized fully so i remember for the first time on the trip we were chasing the sunset um and you can't chase altitude but on this day we were we were we were almost running up this hill at 4600 and it was all because i had a couple of days back at lower altitude and then Mm. started again going up so if anybody's listening to this who's thinking about doing a trek like this uh, what the doctor told me is just because you get altitude sickness does not mean that your trip is over no all you've got to do is just rest maybe drop down a bit and then your body will adapt. And that's exactly what happened. So actually, by the end of the trip, I was on top of the world. Mm. And then when I got home, my God, my body was full of red blood cells. And I was, uh, I do a lot of rock climbing. I remember meeting my friends for a climb after I'd been away. And uh, I just was going and going and going. I never got fatigued because I had so much red blood cells carrying oxygen around my body. It was fantastic. Wow. It was probably um, one of the most emotional videos I've seen you in, that, that moment where you did have to, to turn back. That was a, you, you, left oh, yeah, the, was, you left the camera running, and um, I think that surprised a few people, didn't it? Well, yeah, I did. Because I, I, I remember I set the camera up to record just so I could quickly do an intro to my video, which is explaining what's happened, basically, yeah. how I've left the group. Now, if it was just me by myself, it would not in any way have been emotional because it's fine, right? It's just me and I'll just leave. But because I was with a group of friends and because I wanted to go to Everest Base Camp, you know, so badly for so long, uh, it was really emotional. I actually, I think the uh, fatigue and altitude also makes you more emotional. And the fact that, you know, it's hard, there's no heating, yeah. no running water, yeah. you're not eating properly, you're exhausted every day. But I, I intended to just, do a quick piece of the camera and I found it quite therapeutic. So I just started yeah. yabbering on. Um, and there were a couple of moments where I had to stop and I thought, okay, well I'll just edit those out. No problem. Uh, but then when I was in the edit suite, I actually found that it was, um, it showed much more of how it was and how I was feeling. So I didn't edit them out and I just left 
left in those uh, those moments of awkward silence. Well, <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, Thomas, it it, it worked. Um, I, I know you didn't mean for it to work in that particular way, but there, I, I read down the comments that um, uh, quite recently on on that film, and it seems a bit lazy to take the very top one that I read at that particular day, but. There was a chap called Troy, I don't know whether this particular one rings a bell, but he said, uh, I love your honesty and passion. Um, He said, you're such an inspiration to me, a half-broken soldier. I've had 32 surgeries in order to keep my legs. I've lost so much on military injuries, a lot of that was hobbies. And he goes on to talk about some of the hobbies that he'd... You know, he, he could no longer do. But then when he was in hospital, somebody bought him a camera and a laptop opened. And guess what happened? It was your YouTube channel that popped up first. And wow. he said, you have no idea, and I can't tell you with mere words, how much you inspired me to start le- to learn and love photography like I do today. And those were the kind of comments. Um, I think he said, as, as an army guy, you really touch people with this trip and your honesty. Did you, did you feel that at the time? Uh, no, I never feel that, ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, it's an amazing comment. And, and um, you know, it's, it's funny how often I receive comments and emails um, of that. And it's always so moving and overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing to hear that. Well, it uh, really is. You should read down those comments. I'm sure you have. No, I do, uh, yeah, I do. But yeah. do you know what? I, I, I sometimes don't read a lot of comments on my more uh, emotionally invested videos no. because there's always that negative one. Oh, and I, uh, I wish I, I, I should focus more on, on the positive ones like that. Like, do you know? I don't think I, I, I don't think I saw any on that particular. And if I did, no. I've, I've filtered them out. Let's get geeky. You took an XT. Right. You took an XT3. Clearly, you had a weight advantage above the group that I, w- I was watching around you, uh, who, oh, yeah. who had their heavy yeah. lenses and their DSLR sets. Apart but you from know the problem, uh, the apart problem from, with having a weight advantage yeah. is that everybody just goes, "Oh well, your pack only weighs twelve kilograms." <laughs> oh, they so gave it to carry you. this, this, and this. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, there, there was the screen gate at one moment, which turned out to be user error. Uh, oh uh, yeah, uh, but that's that's funny. <laughs> I always leave those in. That's just me. I thought that was you know, the... that, that's me in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> was it the right decision to take the Fuji film gear? Did 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 you enjoy using it? Oh, without a doubt, I loved using it. Um, and what surprised me more than anything was the quality of the images. They're uh, comparable um, or on a par with my five D Mark IV images. You know, I haven't done any scientific tests, and I don't think I ever will. But when I open the images and, and look at them. You know, I don't look at them and think, "Ooh, these are on a crop sensor or whatever." Yeah. I just see fantastic image quality, and it was definitely the right decision, especially because of the video quality, the size, and the weight. And mm. it's just a nice camera to use. Did the batteries hold out okay in the extreme cold of the Himalayas? Because that, that's yeah. that's one thing people do talk a lot about. Surprisingly, yes. Because when I tested the camera, my biggest disappointment with the whole system was how quickly the battery. Yeah. Sort of need changing battery exhausted it was probably less than an hour and a half in the field maybe 20 minutes worth of footage in three or four photographs yeah. and i was like oh this is going to be a problem yeah. uh, but i think it's because i was using the camera in a different way you know i was testing everything i was uh i was just i left the camera switched on whilst i moved to another location to shoot some images yeah. uh, sorry some videos so yeah it was i was just treating it like i do my canon because I'm used to those batteries lasting forever. Yeah. But in in Nepal, I was so much more conscious of the battery, so I just you know used it more sensibly, and it was never an issue. Did you mind running me through this sort of typical Thomas Heaton kit bag? It can be it can be Canon or or uh, or Fujifilm. I'm I'm intrigued to see the sort of focal lengths you take out and that kind of thing. With the Fuji, 
Um, I have just, again, kind of the Holy Trinity equivalent, which I think is the 10 so to... So 1024, that'll be, 10 won't to it? 20, yeah, 10 to 24, yeah. uh, which is a lovely lens. And then the kit lens... 18 to 55. Which yeah. is okay. And then the 55 to 200, which is the best surprise of all, because I wasn't expecting that lens to be... Uh, super high quality because it's the lower end in terms of, you know, you can get a more expensive yeah. version of that lens, but it's a lot bigger, bigger and heavier. And for me, the priority was weight. So I went for that lens, which was cheaper, but also smaller and lighter. But yeah, the quality coming out of that, um, fantastic. I, I've always thought the people photography and reacting to, now this comes from a person photographer, but I've always thought the people photography re- reacting to humanity and what happens with humans is uh, I've always thought well, it must be it's a far more emotive form of photography than anything else. But the, there is emotion to landscape work, isn't there? Clearly, I can see it by your by your passion. I know that's a word that's really overused these days, but it's clear you have it, Thomas. Well, for me, the emotion comes mostly from the amount of effort that the photographer has put into an image because you have to suffer for your art, right? <laughs> now, I can I can totally understand people photography and capturing that decisive moment, and you know the uh emotion that comes with a scene unfolding you know such as um a war photography or something yeah. like that but for me uh, the emotion the emotion coming from people photography is what's happening more in front of the camera i suppose the emotion with landscapes for me certainly is what's gone on behind the camera yeah. so you know it's the hardship and the effort of getting to a place the patience of waiting now of course you could you could shoot natural disasters and things and uh, there would be emotion there. And what's great is you can capture a landscape as it changes over time. Um, but it's very difficult to capture a, a single landscape image that would evoke emotion in the viewer unless they knew the story behind the image. Um, you know, I, I have ups and downs um, emotionally all the time. And I, I look at my body of work and what I see is that I don't have a style. Okay. There's not, you can't, you don't look at my Instagram feed and every image has the same color palette and the same subject. They, they vastly vary. And, um, yeah, I do wonder a lot of that is to do with my state of mind because I do create quite dark, somber images. Yeah. And actually sometimes I, I really go after those images. Are you patient? Uh, yes, hundred percent patient, but, YouTube doesn't always allow me to uh, no. <laughs> to use my patience to the fullest because I, I the problem with what I do is you have to constantly feed the machine yes. and uh, usually I like to have a back catalogue of videos ready to go so I never have that pressure but uh, unfortunately it's not always like that so well I, uh, you know that's dovetailed so well with this social media I don't I want I want to close on a couple of social media things and 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 then an emotive question but. Um, I mean, you've got your blog, you've got Flickr, there's your Facebook, there's Twitter, Instagram, you've got YouTube. I think you've mentioned the fact you do feel a, a pressure. How, how much pressure is there to keep feeding that machine, as, as you call it? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Um, more so with YouTube, for me anyway. Uh, Instagram, I don't... <laughs> you know, my Instagram account could be deleted tomorrow. I wouldn't care less. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm one of those, I don't really like Instagram. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to spend two days photographing an image and then have it only seen on a one inch screen. Mm. Um, you know, I think Instagram's there. I do it because everyone does it, but, um, so I don't care too much for Instagram. So I don't therefore feel I need to constantly upload. I can't even remember when I posted my last image on Instagram. Yes, it's not, it's not been of late. 
No, no. Um, and I use Instagram mainly to promote my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter, I stopped using a long time ago because it's quite vicious. Um, it's too easy for people to drag you into a conversation or debate or talk directly about you and then tag you in it. <laughs> so it's not very nice. Yeah. I've seen that before. Um, so I stopped using Twitter a long time ago because uh, there's too many bad eggs on Twitter. Mm. Um Facebook, again, I stopped using it many years ago because I don't really like Facebook, just, you know, the whole data mining thing. Yeah. So the only pressure I feel is is YouTube, and that's because of what that's what I put the most into emotionally, and it's what I get the most out of as well. And I have a schedule. I think if I was just, you know, if I won the lottery tomorrow and could retire, um, then I think I would be very, in fact, I would be more than happy to wait weeks and weeks and weeks for the perfect conditions and get that one perfect photograph. But mm. unfortunately with uh, YouTube, that's not the case. I like to put out a video on a regularly scheduled basis. And uh, that sometimes means you've only got today yeah. um, and then you have to you have to produce and deliver. And that is, it's not necessarily a bad thing actually because it forces you to be more creative and to get out there and see more places. Finally, on, on your Twitter profile, which, which I'm now. Now that we talk about Twitter, I, I appreciate you probably wrote quite a while ago. But oh it, gosh, it, yes, I will have done. I don't think I've opened Twitter. Well, it, for, well, uh, let me remind you then. It's your succinct profile because it has to be, doesn't it? Reads: photographer, traveller, outdoor enthusiast. I share my life with Charlotte and Monty the dog, living the dream. Are you? Do you think? Uh, uh, without a doubt, you know. I if I actually when I take stock of what I do in my life. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, I'm incredibly lucky. I've just spent a month in the USA with three, well, four very good friends, you know, road tripping in a 1979 trailer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I make a reasonable living and you know, it's yeah, absolutely living the dream. Mm. Uh, but with any job, you know, it has its ups and its downs. So um, it's uh, certainly not a bed of roses and there is a lot of work, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure to get to the point that I'm at now. Um, But when I actually stop and take stock, um, I am very, very thankful. Mm. You know, in Nepal, when I met a lot of the porters and the guides that work out there and, you know, you just have a conversation with these guys about what they do on a daily basis. And, and then and then I look at me complaining about, you know, the the screen not working on my Fuji camera, which probably costs more than these guys' homes that they live in up in Nepal, you know. Um, yeah, I'm very, very blessed to do what I do. And, yeah, I am living the dream. I don't I don't think there's anything else that... Um, I would rather do right now. Well, that that seems a, a good place to close it, except for the fact that I'm a Colombo fan, and there's always just one more thing. And I've just thought, is there one more thing? I've just thought if of there one. is. You've got to do it in the Colombo voice. I, I've just thought of. I can't do the Colombo voice. <laughs> that deep gravelly. Just one more thing. Just one. Just more one more thing. <laughs> yeah. What what's what's the landscape scene you haven't yet captured? Um, the, the one that the one that's there. The 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 fish that got away at the moment. But the scene that you want. Do you know what? I just don't get lucky with fog and mist. Um, it's what I seek the most, and I've—it's just so rare for me to find it. I have a couple of images that are nice, foggy, misty days, 
But if I could have, if I had one magical power to be able to switch on any kind of weather, anything, <laughs> it would be the mist switch. And I just can't find it. I see photographers out there, and all they're doing is putting out images of mist. <laughs> and I'm the, where is this mist? It's never there. And when it's forecast, it's always wrong. So that's uh, that's that's where I would love. But that's the thing. That's the thing that you would like. But what, what's the what's the scene that you would like in in that mist or without the mist? Oh, the scene. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I I would like to improve my woodland photography. Oh, right. uh, active volcanoes oh, and yes. icebergs. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. Ice, icebergs and active volcanoes. If I can get them in one scene, then well, I'll have just won the lottery. So. With, with the mist switch, obviously. <laughs> oh, with a bit of mist. <laughs> with yeah, a bit of mist. Nice. So, I'd say, uh, yeah. Wow. Good question. I mean, I've, I'm pretty lucky actually. This just goes to show how much I am living the dream because I've pretty much photographed every scene you can think of my thanks to uh, Thomas Heaton this week absolute pleasure talking to him and uh, you know how some some YouTubers you really hope that they're going to be uh, absolutely the same in person even though I know this was um, an interview down the line but you hope they're going to be the same in person when you're talking communicating with them as they are on their YouTube films I have to say Tom Heaton is exactly that kind of person what yeah. you see on those movies is what you get in real life yeah you talk to that's him, good and, wonderful. and actually that's always the sign of a good YouTube channel isn't it yeah. personality we, yeah, know, yeah. we know that yeah. um, that's why ours are rubbish <laughs> okay I have a question from um, I thought I was going first oh yeah no Sorry. no you go first now I don't want to tread on your un- unencumbered Cumbered. feet uncumbered go on uncumbered uh, okay this is a big one. Oh, is it big one? Oh, is this the one? Have you got a button for big oh, one? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I've got the right button. Oh no, that's the bouquet chicken. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, hang on a minute. Where's the f-ing button? Oh, it's number one. Warning. Warning. Uh, <laughs> okay. So- I stuck it up there the other day, so it would always have the warning. Warning. It's right next to bouquet chicken. <laughs> George, George Fakinos, no friend of the show, George Fakinos. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, now this is quite a long question, and some of you in the Fujifilm community will relate to this question. Dear Kevin and Neil, I am not sending this email to ask something, but to express my disgust oh, and no. frustration at a specific photographer, Tatsu Suzuki, yeah. who I saw in one of the X100V's promotional videos. Yes. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with humanity? And why on earth Fujifilm uploaded this video? He is a street photographer, and if I am correct, the subject of most street photographers are people. However, he does not seem to respect them at all. Don't get me wrong, I do not want to judge his skills and his approach as a photographer, but his morals as a person. If people like him continue to act like this, then I bet that in a few years there will be laws that will forbid street photography for everybody. Who gave him the right to do this to the rest of us? I am an amateur photographer, and I love every aspect of it but today this was not the case today i wanted to put the camera aside because this is not what photography is supposed to be i don't know if you've seen the video or if you're able to comment since you kevin are a future film ambassador and neil well you neil are kevin's good friend so you <laughs> you have to support him although he did not let you drive in switzerland oh that's but, true <laughs> but yeah. i would like to hear your thoughts about it am i wrong to get that frustrated with him thanks again and keep up the amazing work you do mm. okay so um george you you ended that 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 sentence by saying am i wrong to get that frustrated with him and um to be brutally honest i think you are wrong frankly um i totally understand where you're coming from however that video which has been taken down so there's there's two there's two facets to this conversation one is the video itself the video is still around funny enough, the video has it? been yeah, you, you, you still around. find it yeah of course it is and um the it's taken down from fujifilm correct yeah. yeah so that's the other facet was uh, were fujifilm correct in either uploading it or and then be download uh, removing it 
So we'll answer the answer to the question about the or Sh- my. Shall we flesh it out a little bit? By the way, for for those that are non Fuji film shooters that weren't mm-hmm. necessarily seen that this is uh, this is a reasonably well known um, street photographer who has a particular style in in the way he works. He uses zone focusing and he's very in the face uh, of people. I think that's what George is finding uh, a little bit disturbing about the the way that he works. But he's, in, in essence, he's a street photographer. Okay, so the video is of uh, Tatsuo walking around the streets of uh, Tokyo, I believe it was, and he is uh, he's he's doing he's basically being a street photographer mm. so he's walking against the flow of the traffic of people uh, he's using the camera at roughly face level but not at his face and he's allowing people to get very close to him as they walk past him and he's taking pictures mm. okay he's not using flash he's not jumping in front of them he's not chasing them down the street he is effectively zone focusing but at head level face level now all street photographers well, most street photographers who are interested in this style of photography will be doing zone focusing but typically they do it lower down their body because then they can be a little bit more unobtrusive so uh what tatsuo is doing is basically doing what everybody else does but just with a slightly different perspective now um i don't think that what he was doing was wrong at all um i think that it is a step back from the likes of bruce gildin from doogie wallace who are very much in your face, very much jump in front of people, take the picture, and then run well, off. Gildan is like, it's so obtrusive, it makes no odds. Uh, absolutely, and Bang, but that's his style. Huge flash in their face. That's, yeah. that's absolutely his style, and, you know, I have more opinions on on um, Bruce Gildan's style and uh, Doogie Wallace's style mm. than I do on Tatsuo. And uh, that doesn't mean that my opinions are right. It, does, it certainly doesn't mean that what um, Bruce Gildan and uh, Doogie Wallace do is wrong. I mean, heaven forbid. I mean, Doogie Wallace has had an entire series on BBC Two about I know, him. I know. So he must be doing something right. Um, you, you know, Martin Pass, similar kind of style. That series, uh, to come back to Doogie, is it Dougie? Doogie, Yeah, because funny enough, a friend of his came the other day to the to the first birthday uh, celebration thing he calls him Dougie Dougie <laughs> Dougie Doogie. but then other people call him Dougie well, anyway, whatever. but do, great do, picture do, I mean do, I've got some of his books Doogie I've got, Dougie I've got, I've got I've got his books I've got um, Gildan's books and but, but he's um, the one that um, I think was on BBC2 wasn't uh-huh. it was it Channel 4 BBC2 was it Stags and Hens I think it was wasn't um, it in yeah, Blackpool that, I mean that that's particularly uh, and, the, and then there was Harrodsburg as well the Harrods, Harrods. No, the, the Harrods one is the one I'm talking about yeah, yeah. I, I know the Stags and Hens one but the, the Harrods one is I mean he, he doorsteps people outside Harrods. Yeah, and, and he so re- much so that he actually puts his camera inside an open top Ferrari and Correct. bang flashes. You Absolutely. know, somebody who's at the the, the uh, either at the steering wheel or on the passenger seat. Indeed, know, and and so that's not uh, Tatsu is not doing anything like that. Tatsu is walking the streets. He is just walking regularly, admittedly with a camera held at kind of face level, yeah. and he's taking pictures. Now, um, some people have said it looks rather arrogant the way that he does it. Well, is it less arrogant the way he does that, or is it more arrogant to do it at hip level? And and try and hide the fact you're doing it. Uh, yeah, that that's that's a good point. I think maybe it's the way he acts with people that, that he's and his ob- obtrusiveness is 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 what people mean by the arrogance. I don't. Yes, but if you look at the video, I don't think he is because he there's is. almost like a um, uh, because I'm kind of on George's side, but, but but kind of on your side all at the same time. But when he in this particular film, I I, I looked at it and thought, does he actually care about what he's taking? He's, oh no, no, he's very much a spray and pray type, yeah, boom, 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 type boom, 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 photographer. Think, oh God, is there any skill in this? He's 
just bang in the, uh, and, the, and then a kind of almost like smirkish kind of smile yeah know? i mean the, and i think that's what comes across in this this and i've seen other films where, where that doesn't come across in quite the same way yeah absolutely and and you know i think that uh, the fact is he had a camera crew behind him filming him for this yeah. so so maybe he's playing to the camera what bit. you see is slightly different yeah. almost definitely yeah. but you know that the, at the end of the day i reckon if vivian mayer had a, a fujifilm x100v back in uh, you know in the 1940s and 50s mm. she would probably photograph us very similar way it's candid it's a documentary of people on the streets now um you know my question uh you know not, not specifically to you george but to a lot of people and i i've had i've had physical not physical but um uh, verbal abuse on my own website about street photography you have, yeah. and um you know my question is do you have a dash cam in your car do you, you know, do you avoid CCTV everywhere? Do your children ever look at pictures of the past? It's the, execu- the, the execution that is different. But the execution is no different. What he did, the execution is no different to how a v- vast majority of CCTV vans not running up to you and it's different. A you know, in the it's face. and also, cripes, it would be a terrible world if we all had to do the same thing in the yeah. same way. Yeah. Um, you know his books sell his pictures sell he's got exhibitions he's a well-established photographer because he's got something that's slightly different it's a perspective that's slightly different Um, and you know I commend him for that I don't think in any way shape or form I couldn't shoot like that I wouldn't have the the bottle to do it have you ever been verbally abused on on the street never mind on your website no has anybody ever No. I think we've talked about not once not once and that's probably because I don't have the bottle to shoot like a tattoo I I implement exactly the same technique it's just his his high up Gilden, I remember in the, one of those. Uh, there's a great film on YouTube, isn't there, about Bruce Gilden? Mm. And one guy verbally attacks him and he says, oh, I didn't know it was your street. You know, yeah, well, there was that woman in. And he'll bite back, won't he? There's that woman in Derby as well when he's filming in Derby for, um, I think he's filming a, a documentary for BJP and, and uh, this woman with a handbag runs up to him. She's like, I'm going to hit you with my handbag. <laughs> what did he do? Uh, so they just laughed and had a little <laughs> chat in the end. But they were, they were outside like something like Iceland or something in Derby, uh, yeah, in Derby yeah. town centre. <laughs> <laughs> um, that famous hunting ground for street photography. Yeah. But, you know, so honestly, my honest opinion opinion is that uh you know um george goes on to say that you know eventually people like him will stop us having any street photography permissions whatsoever mm. it's nothing to do with him our street photography permissions are being eroded all the time you cannot take pictures on, on continental europe without asking people's their permission if, if you want to publish them luckily in the uk what if you're in public place still at the moment you can and the same in the united states but those permissions are being eradicated, and that's and that's because of big business. That's because of people like uh, Facebook and stuff who are our our trust of online is at its lowest it's ever been. Our trust of the internet, uh, and so that is passive, and that is manifesting itself with the the, the decision makers who are often overpaid bureaucrats who've never picked up a camera in their entire life or ever looked at anything artistic apart from a <laughs> bottle of wine and a some say what you mean Kev say what you mean some <laughs> something else and you know they're making these decisions and it's rubbish it's terrible yeah. and you know eventually it will go away and yeah. we will not have uh, you know we will not have the, 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 the luxury of education from pictures of the past understanding you know you look at those pictures Tatsuo took and, and that gives us an understanding of the people the culture the characters what they're wearing the clothes clothing the weather all of that stuff and you know it's it's basically we i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it hang on warning warning i'm gonna say it (laughs) 
it's snowflakes it's oh, snowflakes oh, no. that are that are you know george you're not worrying. one of these by the way george we don't not we don't, you george no not you george absolutely you're a friend of the show. yes absolutely <laughs> not you because yeah you know at the end of the I day like george, george you sent the question in and it's yeah. formed a very very um god i mean you should very open the, discussion I, i'm gonna have to share my uh, my five milligrams of ramapril other blood pressure uh, tablets are available with with kev you should see how red he's gone george oh it's making me angry i have Apoplet- to say Apoplet- apoplectic thank you um you know and it's not and it's not absolutely about you george i no. you know i totally appreciate that you know I, I, look, i'm saying here that it would be a boring world if we all took the same pictures but also it'd be a boring world if we all had the same opinion so yeah. uh you know uh, vice versa so uh, the, the fact is my my personal opinion on on street photography is that you know it's documenting what's yeah. going on um you know the guy the people are walking past him he is not chasing them he is not behaving like bruce gildon he is not running in front of them he's not flashing them they are walking past him he has the camera in front of his head face level um it's pretty obvious that he's likely to take a picture they can choose to turn their backs and in some cases in the film they do turn their backs sometimes they walk across the road that's true Uh, and that's it you know that's isn't that the same as deciding whether you want to walk under a ladder or not when the ladder's up in the streets you know there's a ladder there i'm going to walk under it or i'm not i'm my choice i can decide to do that now on the flip side though or on the other part of that question i'm thinking neil's desperately trying to press <laughs> buttons and stuff over there wrapping me up but I, i'm still going move on uh, um were fujifilm right to pull that oh video? yes that was a good point uh, were they now uh, now on this point i think i personally think they were wrong they should have had the courage of their convictions and stuck with it i also think that the fujifilm should have left that video up yeah um there's a couple of things that must have happened so i know i know the marketing team involved in making these films and i know that the the effort the commitment um the blood sweat and tears that go in i mean i've made a couple of those films with you and there's an awful lot of work that goes and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes um and i know it's a very personal project for many people at fujifilm you know and so the the film will have come to them they will have watched it and looked at it and made suggestions etc and then at that point perhaps if they thought actually this isn't what we want then maybe they should have decided not to not to show it Mm. however uh i'm i'm not throwing the blame at fujifilm i'm throwing the blame at the people probably a minority of people who who said this is not what street photography should be and so they pulled it to protect their um their dignity because they're a japanese company that's what japanese people do um you know they 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 never say no for example uh we shall consider it's the best you get uh, uh, that's, is, that, is uh, that right? Yeah, yeah. Can you the Japanese way? Can you make the uh, X100V um, have a little coffee machine coming out the back? Hmm. We, <laughs> we shall consider. We shall consider. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I quite like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. What a nice way to, uh, to do absolutely business. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely beautiful. You know, if ever you look at any of their emails or their mes- marketing messages that come when um, there's a bug in firmware or something, it's always like two hour dedicated uh, f- um, Fujifilm people uh, f- uh, uh, customers. We are very sorry that we have um hmm. you know disappointed you bowing you. as you're doing oh we're very sorry <laughs> that we have disappointed you yeah. on this occasion we will work harder and it's always yeah. self-depreciative like that um so my answer george is that uh i think that it's street photography street photography manifests itself in many different ways and wherever you are in the world right now i imagine i'm sat here in in neil's studio he's probably got security cameras and various other things filming me uh, you know and uh, things that go on in here yeah stuff that's going on in here now um i'm I'm gonna put my pajamas back on if that's the case (laughs) um so yeah i mean you know what it's it's a it's a great question and uh you know kudos for sending it in i expected us to get a question on, on 
on that. It was a huge thread on Fuji Rumors. I've had numerous emails about it. Um, I don't know Tatsuo at all. Never met him. In fact, up until this video, I'd never really looked at much of his work. I, I love his work. I just <laughs> think it's one of those... You know, it's just one of those things. A couple of people have, have flapped flap their arms hard enough, and uh, you know, it's and the world's come crashing. Yeah, down. the world's come crashing down. But I tell you what, George, come over here a little bit closer. Come here, George. George, come on, come on, come on. Let me say something. You're our favourite listener, and we mean it. You are a friend of the show, and you know that. Um, right behind me. That's you can never go now. Well, should we do a question or should we go, should do a, a quick? Uh, a, 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 a couple, have you got a whiskey? A couple of. <laughs> There's loads in the back over there, yeah. Um, a couple of quickies, if you pardon the expression, then into the book. Um, Kevin Turner. Actually, this is one, really, I wanted to, um, to, to, put to, to put to Andreas last week, and I didn't. Um, so I wonder if you've got any feelings about this, Kevin. I mean, you're in the inner sanctum. Um, Kevin Turner, uh, based in Motril, southern Spain. Do you know Motril? So anywhere near to the where you uh, go? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mot vaguely, Motril. Yeah, I Retire don't think I've ever been there, but I retired photography and art history lecturer now running photography workshops in Spain. Oh, maybe you two should get together. Mm. How will the big photo companies like Canon, Fuji, Nikon and Olympus deal with smartphone cameras becoming better and better and better? Mm. At some stage, it'll undoubtedly affect the big players. Will they, will, will they start making phones, perhaps? Mm. Do you think Fujifilm would ever make a phone? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting because last week you asked Andreas something. And Did I ask a similar question? No, no, no. It wasn't that. Maybe it wasn't you, but somebody asked what the future is for, yeah. uh, I think it was to do with 8K cameras and stuff like that. And one of the things that he mentioned was that he personally liked to see, and I, I'm fairly sure this isn't something that's on the, on the you know, on the, the kind of drawing board right now, is that he'd like to see... Um, 5G memory card, uh, 5G SIM cards oh, in maybe cameras. We, maybe we did touch. Oh no, no we it was touched. A different, it was, yeah, it was yeah, about the future. Slightly, yeah. Um, slightly. And uh, you know, an, an automatic upload into the cloud yeah. and various other things like that. You remained exceptionally indifferent to that one. Well, I, I think it's a great idea as long as it's not in, in, you know, in, uh, in what? Uh, um, in a cave. <laughs> All my, words, all my words have fallen out. In a as long as it's not as a replacement to memory cards. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, because there are some cameras that are now thinking or doing you oh, know, no, internal I, memory yeah, only God, and no, stuff. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah, no, no. And, and that's that's just no. bad. So, um, Although one day maybe that will happen and we'll say, oh, God, Grandad, can you remember those times where you used to have cards in cameras? <laughs> <laughs> and, people thought, and people thought that was the only way to do it. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, <laughs> and the other one was from harriet derslow photographer in yarring advice please for cleaning sensors i've tried wet um, wet swiping products sticky bud systems and just about everything else but i've not come out with the best system yet any suggestions well can i tell you what i do i always i just put my headphones down i um <clears throat> i bring my camera to the sink and I, I wash the sensor under the sink turn it off turn it upside down let it dry out don't listen to him don't listen to him. He's lying. He's lying. Just perfect. Then you'll find, Harriet, that the camera's perfectly clean. Whatever you do, don't <laughs> listen to him, Harriet. Um, however, I've never or cleaned a sensor. What about a toothbrush? I've never cleaned a Electric sensor. toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> you have to be very, very careful, as Harriet knows. Uh, I mean, it's not for the faint-hearted cleaning sensors. I have never cleaned a sensor in my life. No way. Um, I, I would imagine when my cameras go off for servicing, whatever, they do that for me. That must look like a star scene spots across your... <laughs> yeah, but I never shoot at, like, F8 no, or beyond, to be honest yeah. with you. You don't even really see it at F16 and beyond. Yeah. Um, that's so going to be my challenge to you today. Go and, go and shoot an F22 scene. 
and have, have a look. Uh, <laughs> so a, fa- a fairly blank wall, maybe something, uh, maybe something like a, a nice cream-coloured wall. Well, it, bringing it back to seriousness and Harriet's question, yeah. my my answer would be to send it to or take it to. Uh, is Harriet in the UK? Uh, Yaring. Yes, that's UK. Yeah. yeah. So Look, I don't um, think it's close. Where's Yaring? I don't know, but take it to the. Um, Looking it up. Uh, the photography show in Birmingham, which yep. um, we will both be at. I will be doing some talks. You'll be there. Um, I'm just going to be drink, drinking beer. I am so going to also at the photography show, by the way, I will, uh, on the show notes to this show on the foodcast.co.uk, I will put the 20% discount for tickets for those of you that want tickets. Right. Um, but Fujifilm will do clean, will do sense clean and free on there. They always do. Um, and throughout the UK, they are often at, uh, they do what they call um, touch and try days, which I always right. think sounds very peculiar. Touch and try days where you can go along get your senses cleaned and try out new gear and all that kind of stuff so yeah my advice is to is to um get uh oh look that's a nancy griffiths album there i love nancy griffiths yarrington town yeah yarrington not, not yarring one, at all yarrington town is one of her songs <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> um so yeah so stuff like that sorry harriet we went we went right off on a tangent then neil got up oh look a squirrel <laughs> neil got out of his seat which took me right by surprise yeah don't usually do that i've never seen him move yeah that's like a captain moving away from the, the controls <laughs> yeah you were okay you just crack on get them oh, done by Fujifilm. I watched, on one of my rabbit hole things, I didn't realise this happens, by the way, but um, I'll tell you anyway, because I know you, you feel the same way as me about flying. Um, I, 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 I think it might have been because I was watching some uh, pictures of those winds that we had recently with, with aeroplanes landing at Heathrow and those extreme winds. Oh, my God. See that one that landed and then took off again? Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, but, but there was a, a particular um, a video that I ended up on, which was uh, an EasyJet one, which showed um, first days of, or the first day of, of new pilots as they, they get a chance to <laughs> land, land an aircraft full of 150 to 200 people. Oh and they actually went back along the aircraft and told people, so did you know this is the captain's or the, the first officer's first ever attempt at landing a, a passenger plane? <laughs> I've seen people's looks in their eyes and uh, oh, thanks very much for the information. Yeah, I'm glad they told them after they landed. <laughs> no, it was before. Oh, no. Because they were coming in. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that, I wouldn't be like that. I wouldn't like that. No, yeah. anyway. Some of those pilots look about 15. Uh, I know, I know. Okay. Did your dad know you're out this late? Okay. Book. Anyway, book. Yeah, let's book, go for a book. Book, book, um, book, book, book Now, this book, one, book, I, book, I, lo- book, I absolutely love Jane, Jane Bowne's work. Yeah, so we have Jane Bowne's Exposures as Book of the Week. Mm. Um, so Jane Bowne, for those of you, it's B-O-W-N, yeah. not brown or any other kind of connotation, Bowne, B-O-W-N. Uh, so she was a uh, portrait photographer, or a news photographer, if you like, with a portrait stance for The Observer yeah. for um, 60-odd years, I think. She only died recently, I think, uh, 2004. 14, 15, something like that. Um, And so she's got many books out, of course, but this one that we're talking about is called Exposures. Uh, Many of her favourites or many of her most famous portraits are in here. I'm literally just flicking through now. We've got Margaret Thatcher, 1983. We've got... The Thatcher one's interesting because apparently a lot lot of people had uh, trouble photographing Margaret Thatcher because she's such a dominant force of of a woman. Yet Jane Jane Bowne was was apparently very good to send into those situations because she was very disarming. Well, interestingly, this picture of Margaret Thatcher, which is on page 132, it looks almost like a candid shot rather than a portrait. So mm. whether she couldn't get a, a decent portrait. Uh, we've got Quinton Crisp. And all of these portraits, oh, my favourite one of all of them is the one of Samuel Beckett, 1976. Look at that. This makes you want a GFX. Oh, look, you have one. <laughs> look at that. I know That's it's upside down. That's incredible, isn't it? But Even upside down, that looks So good. Jane, Jane Bowen, um, th- this book is slightly different to some of her, uh, her other pr- books in that these are uh, many of 
of the images or certainly some of the images in here are kind of the only time they've been reproduced in this way in this book i.e uncropped and yeah. uh, it's a beautiful book all black and white now jane worked very quickly very simply she would turn up with her cameras in uh you know various handbags and stuff like that it's pretty much did she turn all up is, available light is the legend correct that she would turn up with shopping bag full so i believe of, so yeah of, of her i believe cameras. so but uh, no light didn't really didn't travel with lighting oh no 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 she never used lights no it was so it's all, all natural, natural it's light all available light yeah i mean look at this picture of eve arnold 1996 no that it's just adorable mm. And it's so simple, you know, and we live in this world where we we are, you know, we, we spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands on digital cameras. Mm. And then we process them to look like old film, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. I always think is really funny. Yeah. And uh, and yet, actually, you know what? I don't know what she was shooting with. Probably something very cheap and very, very simple. Um, but beautiful pictures. Jane Brown's exposures. We will, of course, link to this, as we always do on the Fujicast website. Uh, one of my favourite books, definitely. Yeah. One of my favourite books. Yeah, we, we had a little time travel machine. She is on the list of people I'd love to go back to and uh, yeah. uh, an, an interview for this this yeah. show. So she, was, I bet she'd have said yes as well. I think she was that kind of character that, that would have said, "Oh, go on then." Look at this. You two in the pub, not us, not not us. <laughs> you two, the band, the band. Yeah, I um I nearly sat next to them by um what, on Bono? a plane once. Bono. No, no, I, but I, I refused to sit next to the edge. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh god! Oh, small things. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm just flicking through and, and being absorbed by the pictures as usual. Um, but uh, you know, I will read out what it says off the flyleaf because I think it gives a little bit more bite to it. it says this new collection, although it's not that new any longer. Um, presents Jane's well-known shots. It also goes behind the scenes to reveal unpublished pictures, the ones that hit the newsroom floor at every shot. Uh, Jane took numerous wonderful studies, but the definitive image was usually chosen by the picture editor, sometimes on the basis of something as arbitrary as how much space was available on the page. In exposures, Jane's photos finally get to speak for themselves, presented here uncropped and in their full glory. These photographs show why Jane has been hailed as the natural successor of Cartier-Bresson and one of the UK's preeminent portrait photographers. And I agree. Hell of a book. Hell of a book. Definitely one to add to your collection. One more more question before we have this week's disaster stories. Uh, Friend of the show, Barry Paffey. Um... I've just paid my £16.76 income tax bill uh, for the year 2018-19. Same as Amazon, then. (laughs) This obviously means uh, I'm one of those you often mention on the podcast, uh, working less than the minimum wage. Uh, Not just because I charge too little, though. More like I've gone from an average of 60-plus weddings a year down to less than 20 in the space of three years, question mark. Despite my best efforts, things continue to decline to such a degree I've been forced to take on a second job driving for Uber. Not complaining, and I have quite a few photographers in my area that are feeling the pinch, and many more that won't admit it. And that's actually, Barry, you, you've you put your finger right on the pulse of, of the thing there, haven't you, really? Because mm. so many people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing 40, 45, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when you dig a, a little bit closer, they're not really doing that much, and it, it's that kind of passive-aggressive thing when people are discussing, um, you know, how the business is going. Anyway, my question to you chaps is, what job would you both do if you could no longer make a living from photography? Kind regards, Barry. I start with Uber on Monday. Actually, Kev, we could have we could have uh, Q 
Kia, Kia cars. Kia Kev, cars. Kev's Kia cars. I'd do Uber uh, Eats, I think. Uber Eats. I think I'd be better at Uber Eats. Oh, my God, no, but you'd be huge. You'd be, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, that's, that's, that's not fair. You wouldn't be, but I know if I was doing Uber Eats, I'd be for everything in, I'd just take a little bit out. They won't notice. So what would gone. you do? What would you do? I think I know the answer to this. Well, it's, uh, yeah, but is it slightly cheating to say sound? Because that's... I well, sound isn't a job, is it? You've got, you've got to put flesh on that bone. Yeah, that's true. What would you do? Well, radio or something. Go back so to the radio. back to radio presenting. Yeah, yeah. You but the, you know, but that that now is like a ever decreasing circle of opportunity mm. because um, you know I know a lot of my mates that work in the industry no, no longer do that. Mm. In fact, a couple of them went into photography. <laughs> yeah. To escape radio. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'd like to do something. It seems really crass, but I'd like to do something environmental. I think. Something like, for the animals, like no, like marine biology or something. Yeah, I quite like the same. Oh that. wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you have to be slightly cleverer? Well, no, no, I didn't know. I, I didn't mean that. I wouldn't. Wouldn't you have to be uh, qualified in something to do with marine biology? Well, yeah, but you, you'd have to be qualified in in talking on the radio, wouldn't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. Well, if I if it was something that I'm qualified to do, then I would I would be an uh, uh, an economist. Oh wow. Yeah, no, stick that up your radio jumper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. That's what I did. So, Actually, yeah, that I would quite like to be. I don't know, but but not. Can you be an independent economic economic uh, economist? E- economist. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're encumbering me. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't want to work for a, a, a big corporate again. No, God, no. Cause that, with, yeah. with that, that that would just steal your soul, wouldn't it? Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. that's the whole I'd reason. Be, in fact, I'd be a bin man. Really? Yeah. But you're still working for a corporate. Yeah, but only until twelve. Then you go home. You have to get up at three in the morning. That's all right. Oh, that's all right then, isn't it? It seems a very apposite time to go into the disaster stories. Um, I've got a couple, actually. Um, This one is from Marissa Kaznia in Ontario, in in, in Canada. My first ever paid gig was an engagement shoot with my Canon 5D4. Not only have I left the camera on JPEG, only accidentally... Um, I was so nervous, I also left it at 6.40 for the whole time instead of auto. I had taken 50 blown-out photos. We did the reshoot the next day, luckily, as the weather cooperated, and I blamed it on a defective memory card. Ah, the old defective memory card trick, eh? I was certain that was the end of my career. Luckily, however, I got away with it. Thank you for the hard work making the podcast. It's epic. From Marissa, have you ever had a situation like that? Um, All the exposure I, I, when, in, the, in the Canon days when you were yeah. using DSLR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I, like, one of the things that I used to imprint on my brain was remember when you're walking out of the church to change the ISO. Yeah. That was it. And, and did you ever forget? And Every I, time. I did forget a few times, but I, I used to just remember, because, of course, this was back before electronic viewfinders during the war during the war and I used to just remember right just turn it to the left just just turn it to the yeah, left about yeah. a quarter and that would generally be enough and then you know everything else I could recover <laughs> yeah easy to do yes easy um, to do Jan Bakker hi Kevin Neil when you started doing disaster stories I wondered who would admit to their errors but here I am doing just that just a short one two in the space of a month last year I shoot quite a lot of sport and especially football where I'm the photographer who trusts his cameras at the back of the goal on a trigger <laughs> to get the action as the goal goes in I've always wondered about those cameras yeah. I've always thought maybe it's somebody like Ronaldo that really can thump a ball <laughs> yeah. but I mean those those nets they do actually you move. see yeah occasionally you see the cameras flying yeah. into the crowds and stuff yeah, yeah. Anyway, last year then, I had two disasters with this. I went to retrieve my cameras at the end of a game, and one had been simply lifted. 
We don't know. He said stolen, so I said lifted. Uh, we don't know if it was staff or somebody watching the game. CCTV from the midway point just shows somebody s- seemingly clearing up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, he cleared my camera up in his bag, it seems. And number two, particularly moody goalkeeper. Club was in brackets. It's a Dutch club. Um, I... We're not mentioning them. Who took a boot to my camera after conceding a goal. Camera was okay. The lens was a mess. All ends well, though, as the club paid for the lens, as they should. But luckily, also a replacement camera. Oh, nice. <laughs> so now I have two working cameras. Yeah, there's nice. The, there's an all well that ends well Yeah. One. If, if you have a photo disaster, um, then please, we, we'd love to hear from, from you. It's click at fujicast.co.uk is the address. Send yours in. And I... I hope that goalkeeper. I hope that goalkeeper hurt his toe. <laughs> Mind you, you'd be thanking him, wouldn't you? Well, actually, yeah, true. Thanks That's true. very much for, yeah, for thanks the, the new camera for the nice camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, but by the way, I wasn't sure whether last week, um, if, if you were offended by one of the disaster stories on the live show from the House of Photography, uh, our most humble apologies. Um, I wasn't sure whether to edit it out or not. Mm. It was one of the strangest stories I think we've ever had on on the show. Um, I wasn't sure how much of it was true and how much of it was. Listen, it was Glasgow Lee <laughs> at his finest, and and you can I can guarantee that there was a very very heavy smattering of humour in yes. that. Yes. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, you you seem to be holding back here. Uh, well, Gemma did mention it. I have to say. Oh, did she? Yeah. What, what did Gemma say? She said, did Gemma just um, get a bit? Oh, no, I'll oh, tell dear. you. I'll tell you when we're off air. But, really? Um, oh my god! Yeah. But it was just Glasgow Lee being Glasgow Lee. I we know, love him to bits. I know we do. Right. Um, thank you very much for your. Um, your company on the the show today thank you to tom heaton um our, our guest really enjoyed talking with uh, with thomas uh if you've liked this week's show then thank you and if you can leave a review that would be absolutely super duper because that really does help us especially in apple podcasts see you in the facebook group for any questions you have about today's show play nice of course uh, the mods steve and peter are in there with their nice shiny fifa referee tops on um and of course we have we have another group which is um four at Food, food cut four. Food cut four at food cut four at food cut. Yes, which was the thing that we we invented a few yeah. weeks ago. But you've you've put a new moderator in there. You've, yeah, Neil. You've, you've employed Neil Ford. Yeah. Well, he he Neil Neil said, "How shall we deal with this?" Yeah. And I said, "Well done, Neil. You are now an admin. You look after it." <laughs> That's delegation. <laughs> delegations, what you need. Who was that delegation? I know that's dedications. Uh, that, need. that was, what's his name? Uh, Roy Castle. Roy Castle. Oh, bless, bless old him. Roy Castle. Yeah, liked him. Yes. Um, anyway, send your questions, your thoughts, your disaster stories to click at fujicast.co.uk. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. Stick around for the outtakes that we're now doing at the end of the show. And if you want to see our offerings to the photo community and world, there's one address that you now need to go to for all our personal stuff. Learn about the kit Neil and Kevin use, get links to all their websites and find out first about any new workshops coming up by going to www.futurecast.co.uk forward slash the boys. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And now the bits that didn't make the show. No, no, no. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) I just listened back to it and I thought, fuck, there's far too many (laughs) things. <laughs> right, let's start this bit again. Um, and if you want to see any of our offerings to the photo community and world, there's one address that you need to go to now. Oh, there's one ad- <laughs> there's one address that you need to go to now. Can't edit that bit. It's over music.
Oh, balls. What's <laughs> this? is great. This has got to go in the outtakes. <laughs> oh, Flamer, why is that thing not working? Player it's three and four aren't working. I don't know why player three and four aren't working. I paid my licence. Heaven's <laughs> sake. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. <laughs>